Welcome to SNC's podcast series, SNC Critical Insights. My name is Jeff Scott. I'm a partner in SNC's litigation group and co-lead of the firm Securities Litigation Practice. I'm here today with my litigation partners, Julia Malkina, co-lead of SNC's Securities Litigation Practice, and Steve Pekin, lead of the firm Securities and Commodities Investigations Practice. Steve is also the former co-director of the SEC's Enforcement Division. Today, we'll discuss the priorities of the SEC's Enforcement Division and enforcement trends as reflected by the types and volume of enforcement actions recently brought. Steve, can you start us off with the overall numerical picture of SEC enforcement matters? Glad to, Jeff. The SEC recently released data on the frequency and nature of enforcement actions in fiscal year 2022, which ended on September 30th, 2022. That year, the SEC brought 462 standalone actions. These actions chiefly related to investment advisor and investment companies, 26%, securities offerings, 23%, issuer reporting, audit and accounting, 16%, broker-dealer at 10%, insider trading 9%, and market manipulation 7%. By way of comparison, these numbers are up from 2021 when the SEC brought 434 standalone actions. The majority of those actions arose in two areas, securities offering cases at 33%, and investment advisor and investment company cases at 28%. 12% of fiscal year 2021 cases were related to issuer reporting, audit, and accounting. And other notable categories in fiscal year 2021 were broker-dealer, enforcement, insider trading, and market manipulation. Fiscal year 2022 was a record year for monetary remedies and relief. The SEC assessed financial remedies of totaling 6. billion. $2.2 billion was disgorgement, and $4.19 was penalties. To compare, in the previous year, the SEC assessed approximately $2.4 billion in disgorgement and $1.4 billion in penalties. Let's turn now to the SEC's enforcement priorities. We will discuss several areas today environmental, social, and governance, or ESG, digital assets, special purpose acquisition companies, or SPACs, insider trading, market manipulation, and record keeping. I'll start us off with ESG. The SEC has placed a significant emphasis on climate change and other ESG issues. Most notably, the SEC has proposed a sweeping new regime for regulating climate change disclosures, while also pursuing significant ESG-related enforcement actions through the Enforcement Division's newly created Climate and ESG Task Force. Today, we will focus on the SEC's notable ESG-focused enforcement actions. In April, the SEC filed an enforcement action against Vale SA a publicly traded Brazilian mining company, claiming that Vale made misleading statements about the safety of its dams 
prior to one of its dams collapsing in 2019. The SEC alleged in its complaint that Vale, through the company's sustainability reports, deceptively assured the market that 100% of its dams were stable. A few weeks after the Vale action was filed, the SEC settled charges against BNY Mellon Investment Advisor Inc., a registered investment advisor, based on alleged misrepresentations concerning the degree to which the company's fund's sub-advisor considered ESG principles in making investment decisions. Without admitting or denying the SEC's allegations, BNY Mellon Investment Advisor agreed to cease and desist from violations of federal securities laws, accept a censure, and pay a $1.5 million penalty. The climate and ESG-related operations, activities, and disclosures of public companies will continue to come under close scrutiny from both the SEC and investors. Companies should carefully review and tailor their disclosures in order to avoid allegations of false and misleading disclosures. Let's talk now about cryptocurrency and digital assets. This is an area that's been a key priority for the SEC during Chairman Gensler's tenure. Earlier this year, the Enforcement Division announced that it nearly doubled the size of its crypto assets and cyber unit. According to the SEC, the expanded crypto assets and cyber unit will focus on investigating securities law violations relating to digital asset offerings, cryptocurrency exchanges, cryptocurrency lending and staking products, decentralized finance platforms, non-fungible tokens, and stablecoins. The SEC has pursued a number of enforcement actions in the cryptocurrency and digital assets space. We've spoken previously on this podcast about the SEC's actions against Ripple Labs relating to its digital asset, XRP. The SEC filed an amended complaint in that action in February 2021, and after a very active discovery period, both the SEC and defendants cross-moved for summary judgment in September of 2022. Those motions remain pending. The SEC has also faulted promoters of digital asset offerings for failing to register broker-dealers. In May 2021, the SEC filed an enforcement action against five individuals who allegedly promoted global unregistered digital asset securities offered by BitConnect, an online cryptocurrency lending platform, which raised over $2 billion from retail investors. The SEC alleged that the promoters received referral commissions, that is, a percentage of the fund's investment, and other commissions in exchange for their services, but did so without registering as broker-dealers with the SEC. The commission has expanded its enforcement action, charging BitConnect, BitConnect's founder, another promoter, and that promoter's company. The SEC alleges a Ponzi-like scheme in which the defendants used funds deposited by newer investors in a purported digital asset lending program to satisfy withdrawal demands made by earlier investors. Steve, we have also seen the SEC bring enforcement actions related to disclosures in connection with cryptocurrency and digital assets. In an illustrative case in May, the SEC filed an enforcement action against NVIDIA Corporation, a technology company that designs and markets graphics processing units for computer applications. The SEC alleged the failure to provide adequate disclosures about the impact of so-called crypto mining on the company's business. Specifically, the SEC alleged 
that NVIDIA knew that crypto miners were using its graphics processing units to engage in crypto mining, but failed to disclose the impact of that activity in its quarterly filings. Without admitting or denying the SEC's findings, NVIDIA settled the action with the SEC, agreeing to cease and desist from future violations of the anti-fraud and disclosure control provisions of the federal securities laws and to pay a civil penalty of $5.5 million. Let's turn now to SPACs. Chairman Gensler has made clear that the SEC seeks to bridge the divide between DSPAC transactions and traditional IPOs. In December 2021, Chairman Gensler opined that the investing public may not be getting life protections between traditional IPOs and SPACs, and that SPACs may have additional conflicts inherent to their structure. As Chairman Gensler's remarks foreshadowed in March, the SEC proposed new rules to make the SPAC IPO process more closely aligned with the traditional IPO process. Consistent with the SEC's focus on conflicts of interest in SPAC transactions, the SEC in September charged perceptive advisors an investment advisor with failing to disclose conflicts relating to its personnel's ownership of sponsors of SPACs into which Perceptive advised its clients to invest. Without admitting or denying the findings, Perceptive agreed to a cease and desist order and a $1.5 million penalty to settle the action. The SEC has also brought traditional securities fraud cases in connection with SPAC transactions. Notably, in December 2021, the SEC filed an enforcement action under the anti-fraud and disclosure control provisions of the federal securities laws against Nikola Corporation, a publicly traded company created through a DSPAC transaction in 2020 that manufactures zero emissions transportation systems. The SEC alleged that Nikola and its founder and CEO, Trevor Milton, made material misrepresentations to investors in 2020 through social media and media appearances about Nikola's electric battery and hydrogen fuel cell electric vehicles, its technical advancements, and its potential partnership with General Motors, as well as other commercial prospects. Without admitting or denying the SEC's findings, Nikola settled the action with the SEC, agreeing to, among other things, a $125 million civil penalty. The SEC's anti-fraud enforcement agenda has continued to focus on insider trading. The SEC proceeded on a novel theory of insider trading in SEC versus Ponawat. The SEC brought a complaint against Matthew Ponawat, former business development executive at biopharmaceutical company Medivation, for violating Section 10B of the 34 Act after he allegedly purchased stock options in Medivation's competitor, Insight Corp within minutes of learning that Medivation would be acquired by Pfizer. In November 2021, Ponawat moved to dismiss the SEC's claim. A Northern District of California court was unpersuaded and denied Ponawat's motion to dismiss in January of this year. Notably, although acknowledging that no other insider trading cases have dealt with material non-public information about a third party, the court decided that the claim did not violate Ponawat's due process rights 
because the SEC's theory of liability falls within the contours of the misappropriation theory of insider trading and the expansive language of Section 10b and Rule 10b-5. In another recent case, SEC v. Clark, the SEC brought an action against brothers-in-law Christopher Clark and William Wright for violating Section 10b after Clark allegedly purchased stock options in CEB Inc., where Wright served as corporate controller shortly before another company acquired CEB. The SEC did not cite any direct evidence of the alleged tip, but rather alleged circumstantial evidence showing that an individual with close personal ties to a corporate insider engaged in unusual trading activity following communications aligning with the acquisition's progression. Wright settled, but Clark decided to proceed to trial. In December 2021, following the SEC's case in chief, an Eastern District of Virginia court granted Clark's motion for judgment as a matter of law and dismissed the action against him. The court concluded that the SEC's allegations were, in its words, just a matter of speculation. Steve, in addition to this enforcement activity, in December 2021, the SEC proposed amendments to Rule 10b-51, which provides an affirmative defense to insider trading for corporate insiders and companies that trade stock according to trading plans. The proposed amendments would alter the requirements for the Rule 10b-51 affirmative defense, including by imposing a cooling-off period between the trading plan's adoption and the commencement of trading, prohibiting multiple overlapping trading plans, limiting the use of single trade plans to one during any 12-month period, requiring directors and officers to certify in writing that they are not aware of material non-public information when adopting a trading plan, and extending the good faith requirement to both the adoption of a trading plan and the operation of that trading plan. The proposed amendments would also require more robust disclosures concerning companies' insider trading policies and procedures, as well as the timing of companies' equity grants and the release of material non-public information. I'll now turn to market manipulation. In late April, the SEC charged Archegos and its founder and others with violating the anti-fraud and other provisions of the federal securities laws in connection with an alleged fraudulent market manipulation scheme that caused billions of dollars in credit losses among Archegos's counterparties. The SEC's complaint alleges that between March 2020 and March 2021, Archegos and its founder purchased billions of dollars of total return, security-based swaps, to grow Archegos. Archegos and its executives allegedly engaged in manipulative trading practices that artificially inflated the stock prices of the issuers representing Archegos's top 10 holdings. In March 2021, according to the SEC, the House of Cards collapsed. When Archegos's most concentrated positions declined in price, which resulted in margin calls that Archegos could not meet. Archegos eventually defaulted, causing billions of dollars in losses among its creditor counterparties and other market participants. In addition, Chairman Gensler recently made remarks indicating that the SEC is considering requiring the registration of security based swap execution facilities which the SEC believes would increase the transparency 
and the integrity of the traditionally opaque, over-the-counter security-based swap market bring together buyers and sellers with transparent pre-trade pricing, lower risk in the marketplace, and protect investors. Our final enforcement area of focus is record-keeping. The SEC has pursued numerous record-keeping cases against broker-dealers under the federal securities laws, such as those relating to the use of personal text messages, WhatsApp, and emails to send and receive business communications. In December 2021, J.P. Morgan Securities settled such a record-keeping action, agreeing to pay the SEC a $125 million penalty. Less than a year later, in September 2022, 15 other broker-dealers and one affiliated investment advisor settled SEC charges based on alleged failures by the firms and their employees to maintain and preserve electronic communications. These later cases yielded a combined total of $1.1 billion in penalties. Eight firms and five affiliates agreed to pay penalties of $125 million each. Two additional firms agreed to pay penalties of $50 million, and one firm agreed to pay $10 million. That concludes our review of the SEC's enforcement priorities. We will finish up today with a review of court challenges to the SEC's enforcement powers. The Supreme Court this term heard oral argument in a case that will determine whether district courts can hear constitutional challenges to the SEC's structure. In SEC v. Cochran, the court will decide whether the 1934 Act strips federal courts of jurisdiction to hear suits challenging the constitutionality of SEC enforcement actions. The Ombank Fifth Circuit held that such challenges are permissible. The Supreme Court is considering only the jurisdictional question, not the merits of Cochran's constitutional claims. In another case out of the Fifth Circuit, Jarkowski v. SEC, the Fifth Circuit, in a 2-1 decision, struck down SEC enforcement proceedings before administrative law judges for three constitutional defects. The Fifth Circuit held that SEC enforcement proceedings before the SEC's ALJs violate the Seventh Amendment's right to a jury trial, that delegation of certain legislative powers to the SEC violates Article I of the Constitution, and that the statutory removal restrictions on the SEC's ALJs violate Article II's Take Care Clause. We look now at an interesting case out of the Second Circuit concerning the Supreme Court's 2019 decision in Lorenzo versus SEC. In Lorenzo, the Supreme Court held that dissemination of false statements made by another could result in so-called scheme liability. The Second Circuit recently held in SEC versus Rio Tinto that scheme liability under the federal securities laws requires something beyond material misstatements or omissions, such as dissemination. In doing so, the Second Circuit rejected the SEC's interpretation of Lorenzo. The Second Circuit noted that false statements alone did not form the basis for scheme liability in Lorenzo, and that the dissemination of those false statements was something extra that made the violation of the scheme. Our last case of interest shows how lower courts are interpreting Congress's statutory fix to the Supreme Court's 2020 decision in Lew versus SEC. Lew put some limitations on the disgorgement remedy. The SEC could seek disgorgement so long as the award did not exceed the wrongdoer's net profits and was awarded for the benefit of victims. After the decision in Lew, 
Congress amended the federal securities laws to explicitly authorize federal courts to order disgorgement. In SEC versus Spartan Securities Group, a district court concluded that under the amended federal securities laws, a court may order disgorgement and direct that disgorge funds be sent to the U.S. Treasury. This decision will likely further embolden the SEC to pursue disgorgement remedies in federal courts, even where specifically allegedly harmed investors cannot be identified. Thanks, Steve and Julia. That's all we have for today. Thank you for listening to SNC's Critical Insights. For more information about our practice, please visit us on the web at www.solcrom.com. For a more in-depth discussion of today's topics, please take a look at our Securities Enforcement and Litigation Update, published last month and available on the Securities Litigation page of our website. Please also join me, Steve, and Julia for our SNC's Critical Insights podcast on recent developments in private securities litigation, which is a recap on important trends that we're seeing in securities cases filed by private plaintiffs in federal and state courts. Mm-hmm.